Hello and welcome back to Kindled. So today I have a very interesting episode to bring to you, and it is a conversation that has been um, definitely happening online a ton, especially on Instagram and Twitter. I'm not active on Twitter, but I know that it's been taking place on Twitter. Um, And that conversation is around can or rather should women teach theology to other women. Uh, Now, this conversation is very important to me personally. I care a lot about it. Um, I am not bringing this conversation to the forefront. I'm not having, you know, I didn't want to record this episode to merely jump on some sort of rage bandwagon, as has been suggested. I care deeply about women being able to learn theology, which is the study of God, which means knowing God. Ultimately, that's the purpose of theology is to know and love God and to help us understand how to be known by him as well. So I, this is just something that's near and dear to my heart. I care a lot about this, and I think it's extremely important that we have a very strong response to this movement, which is coming out of the some in the biblical patriarchy camp. I, um, I know that it's not a, it's, it's not a ubiquitous view inside that camp that women cannot or should not teach other women theology, but it is kind of a growing um, subsection of that camp that is uh, proliferating that idea. And I, I'm seeing it more and more. I'm hearing it more and more. Uh, it was new to me, you know, a couple months ago, but I did not realize kind of how popularized it has become by several in that movement. And uh, I, and that's why I want to bring a response to it is to just address what are some of the concerns, the risks, the errors of this thinking why is this a wrong way to interpret Titus 2, 3 through 5? And what are, you know, what's at risk if we if we don't get this right? So I brought my conversation or I brought my husband on to have this conversation with me because he's very wise and he is our spiritual head of our home. And so I want to just get his perspective too as a male because um, you know, although I feel strongly about it, his perspective really brings a richness and a depth and robustness that I think is very needed in this conversation. We need males who understand this and value women knowing theology as much as women do weighing in on this. So I'm really thankful that he was willing to come on and talk with me about it. All right, that's all I have in the way of introduction. So here is my conversation with my husband, Joey Williams. So today on Kindled, I am happy to have my husband, Joey, here with me. Hello. Thanks for joining me. You're welcome. This is maybe your, you know, second, no, third or fourth time on the show. I'm a regular, for sure. I mean, yeah, but for having done this over five years, it's really only been like once a year. What's up with that? Just how I like it. Okay. You gotta keep the people wanting. <laughs> yeah. That is that is the motto. That's right. Okay, so uh, to kick us off in this conversation, uh, we are gonna be talking about the question of whether women can teach women theology. So to set the scene of this conversation, I will explain kind of the um, argument from the biblical patriarchy, some in the biblical patriarchy camp for why women should not teach women theology. So uh, the basis of this argument is Titus 2, 3 through 5. Okay, so Joey, will you read, starting in verse 1, because it's important to read a verse in context, uh, all the way through verse 16? Yeah, it's a long one. Here we go. (laughs) But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may not put, may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. 
Bondservants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Okay, thank you. So, um, in case you are not familiar, this letter was written by Paul to his companion Titus, who was tasked with visiting Crete, which was a place infamous for sin and corruption. So, um, that's just a little biblical historical context of, you know, why this is being written and who it's being written to, right? Titus, where he's headed into a city that is um, very sexually immoral. It's probably a lot like Corinth, um, just a, a melting pot of cultures and religions and probably a lot of idol worship, a lot of sexual immorality. Um, and so he is, you know, a- again, kind of reminding his companion, his um, colleague, if you will, to to build the people up in their faith and give them some specific instruction in how to how to be built up, how to be separate, how to be set apart and holy. So jumping into kind of the argument here, women cannot teach women theology. So where this is coming from is some in the biblical patriarchy camp. Not all of, I won't say all because I know there are some people who don't agree with that statement, but um, some in the, in what I'll say is the BP camp, cause it's just a mouthful, but some in the BP camp do not agree that women should not teach theology and they would still call themselves biblical patriarchy. I just want to say up front, you know, I, I'm not an expert on biblical patriarchy, but what I do know is that you and I believe in a male led family, the home as according to scripture and a male led church that men are to hold the office of pastor and elder and to be the head of the home, which is what scripture teaches. So I don't know how, um, if, if that would make me biblical patriarchy, I just know that that's what the Bible teaches. I don't really care what the label is. Um, and so some in that camp are espousing this idea that women can't teach women theology because of this passage, Titus two, three through five and how they are doing that. Now I've heard some people say, Um, Well, how can anyone in that camp be saying women can't teach women theology? What about Titus 2? But that's the problem that some misunderstand, that Titus 2, 3 through 5 is actually the reason that they say that. It's not that they're overlooking it. It is that they are interpreting it to mean that literally verses 3 through 5 are the syllabus for what women can teach women. So rather than this being this kind of generic general idea that older women are to build up younger women in the same way that an older man might build up a younger man, this is specifically this executed list of, of content that they are allowed to teach to the younger women. Um, or you could even say to peers, like that, that women can only teach to other women these listed items, which is in verse 4, training the young, young women to love their husband and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands. So that is it. That is the entire list of what women can teach women. Anything under one of those categories. So that would include, of course, things like homemaking, um, you know, keeping the home, cleaning, cooking, being um, an excellent wife, loving your husband, loving your children, parenting. All of those types of categories are the extent of the content that women should be teaching women from scripture. So what they're not saying is that women can't read the whole Bible. They do believe women can read their their Bibles, but if they have a question on theology or anything outside of those categories, they must go to only three offices, their husband, their elder, or a pastor. So pastors, elders, and husbands are the only ones who can teach women sound doctrine 
that does not have to do with those categories. So if you're, for instance, you have a question on Ephesians, you need to go to your husband or an uh, elder or pastor. If you have a question on Genesis, well, that has to do with a study of God that is not found in that list of that syllabus list, right? So you would need to go to one of those three people. So as you can um, imagine, I don't agree with this and Joey doesn't agree with this. um, And we're going to explain why. We have four points, which I'll kind of just outline really quickly so you know where we're going. We're going to talk about how scripture is the primary means we have to know God. Number two, how nowhere is there a delineation made between how men and women are saved or come to a knowledge of God. And this is um, regarding things like salvation, justification, and sanctification, and even glorification. Three, there is no mediator between God and man except Christ. And the understanding of the word comes from the Holy Spirit. And then four, our conclusion being that scripture does not prohibit women from teaching women theology. So we disagree with the notion and the interpretation that Titus 2, 3 through 5 is the syllabus for what women can share with women. Before we launch in, and I am going to let Joey talk, but there, I just want to say that there are two conversations happening simultaneously, okay? So there, there is the conversation around uh, women's ministry and how they fall very short, short in a lot of places. I've seen, you know, I've seen comments and messages about how, but, you know, I, I've had such a hard time finding a good women-led women's ministry in a church or a Bible study. They are all just emotional cry sessions, or we just do a book study and we don't do anything to do with the Bible, and I'm not learning, or uh, there's so much false teaching floating around women's studies, um, and, and there's not sound doctrine coming out of women's ministries. And so that's one side of the conversation. And then the other side is this conversation of, well, what does the Bible permit, right? And what does it, what does it actually command? Um, and is is that those three verses being the syllabus an accurate interpretation of that verse? So there's these two separate issues, the women's ministry issue and then what the Bible actually says issue. So we're going to deal with what the Bible says first, and we will talk about the women's ministry issue because I do acknowledge that much of the problems that exist are very real and the complaints and the concerns are legitimate. And so I do not disagree at all that there's some concerns. I just find um, I have a very different idea because I don't interpret Titus 2 that way of what the solution is to the problem. Okay, so, all right, jumping in, we are going to deal with um, the Titus 2 through through 5 thing first. So complementarians recognize, uh, and complementarians are essentially, that's what we are. We believe that men and women have um, different roles. We are equal in value, but have different roles within the home and the church, right? Correct. Anything you'd like to add there? Um, no, I think I want to jump back to oh. your introduction. Oh, wow. Because I, I would actually, me. well, no, I don't interrupt. That's oh. not kind. Um, I think that it's important, The something that we've said too, is that it is actually sinful to stop people from studying theology and talking about theology. I think that that's actually contrary to what the Bible says the picture for marriage is. So these biblical patriarchy people, which I had never heard of until about a week and a half ago, um, and I would call what we do, I think I like male headship better because that seems like a more biblical term, biblical-based term. But I think that it is it is opposite of, you know, uh, a correct, yeah. healthy, biblically-based marriage where both people are, you know, looking out for the other's well-being. Yeah. That's what I would like to add. That's very good. I should have let you say that earlier. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree. And we're going to get into more of why. But, uh, you know, just to kind of lay the foundation, complementarians, so that's what we are, recognize that there's a limitation in the scope of what a woman or uh, a scope in the audience of who a woman can teach, right? So we we would agree women cannot hold the office of pastor or elder. Um, and and it also qualifies, you know, um, those, those offices are qualified. And, and even in that Titus 2 passage, 
it qualifies the type of women that are tightest to women, like that they are not to be um, drunk on wine. They are not to be slanderers and kind of these busybodies. They, they are to be, you know, they're to have some qualifications to being one of those who can train younger women. So, um, you know, don't disagree with any of that. It's in the Bible. We, we just interpret that differently. So, um, the difference here between complementarians and biblical patriarchy is that we would put a limitation on the scope of a woman's teaching, but BP puts a limitation on the content of a woman's teaching. So I would say a woman can teach anything that is biblically sound to another woman within the realm of what scripture teaches, right? But um, they would say, no, they can only teach what is in that list. So they exclude, they interpret that as an exclusive list. Yeah. And I would add to, for us, it also is like, you have to look at the woman who is doing the teaching as well. So if a woman is outside of, like a woman is not a member of a church, right? She doesn't have a church home and she says that, uh, I don't need to, I don't need to be a member of a church because I don't need, you know, the ocean is my church mm-hmm. or whatever that junk is. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, obviously you have a misinterpretation of scripture in that. Right. So you're going to, you're going to take everything that person says with a grain of salt. Right. Yeah. And so, I think more like with a trash can. Yeah, a trash can of salt or put salt on someone or putting salt on. We're just going to put it in the trash can. Gotcha. So, and that's something (laughs) that, but we should be doing that. That's the thing. It's like we should be doing that for anybody who's claiming to man or woman teach theology. It doesn't matter. It's if you're. If your life doesn't line up with what the scriptures say on all of these things, well then character. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I want to take a second to introduce you to a new sponsor of Kindled, and that is the Learning Well Journal. The Learning Well Journal covers all aspects of the homeschooler's life, home, homeschool, family, and faith. Get encouragement delivered straight to your home with Learning Well Journal, the quarterly print magazine that will equip and encourage your homeschool journey, the long days of motherhood, and your walk as a Christian homemaker. We know well that homeschooling does not just involve books. Homeschooling is a lifestyle. The pages of Learning Well Journal will enrich your homeschool, but they will also speak to all the areas of your life that make it so beautiful. Each issue is based around scripture and written from a Christian worldview and includes inspiration for meals and organization, ideas to create a home of peace and calm, and each issue is written in collaboration with parents with dozens of years of homeschooling experience, little ones through high school. To learn more and subscribe, visit alishahutchinson.com magazine. This uh, URL is linked in the show notes of this episode, but it is Alicia, A-L-I-C-I-A, Hutchinson, H-U-T-C-H-I-N-S-O-N.com slash magazine. Use the code Kindled for $10 off an annual subscription when you order from the U.S. and Canada. That's Kindled for $10 off your subscription of Learning Well Journal. And what you're talking about is this idea of theology versus sound theology. So women don't just need theology. They need sound theology. Like Richard Rohr does theology. As a new age teacher, he he teaches about God, quote unquote. He teaches the universal Christ, right? <clears throat> and so we don't need that kind of theology. We need sound theology. And so how do we do that? How do we know who God is? How do we study him? The Bible. Our primary way of knowing who God is, is his revealed word. And so we study God by reading, hearing, memorizing, meditating on the Bible. But but all of this is not just to know the Bible, it's to know God himself. And I think that is kind of this, maybe the elephant in the room. It, when we say, well, women can't teach women theology, it's very it sounds very heady and doctrinal focused and like, well, this is all just about, you know, th- there's a... There's some, there's some academic aspects to this that you really don't understand and you have no business studying. Um, academic theology is not for women, just devotional f- theology is for women. Just just know God to love him, but they've there's this fake divide as though theology can be compartmentalized into an academic and a devotional when when actually it's it's an ocean. It's not it's not like two, you know, packing squares that are can be zipped up and kept separate in your suitcase. It is an ocean where it, like Jeff says, and he actually quoted, who is he quoting when he says, 
that um, God is like, what did he say? Oh, the Bible is deep enough for an elephant to swim in, but shallow enough for a child to wade into. And so there is not this divide there between studying God academically or studying God to, to love him. Like the academics should spur us to a greater appreciation of who God is, his character, right? And so that's why I think having this conversation just about the content so much causes us sometimes to forget the why. Why are we doing this? Why would we want to teach theology? It's not because we just merely want to be obsessed with, you know, being able to teach people and we we want to do all the things man is doing. It's because we want people to know and love God himself. And that to me is something that can't be overstated because I haven't heard that a whole lot in the conversation from the biblical patriarchy camp. I've heard a lot of rules, a lot of extra biblical rules and kind of legalistic interpretation of the, of this passage, but I have not heard a whole lot of concern about what this, what implications this has on someone's relationship with God and ability to know him. Um, and so I don't know anything to add on that. Yeah. And I think the, the made up, you know, terminology, it made me think of like Genesis, you know, two and three, where what was, what was God's perfect design? It was man and then not good for man to be alone. And there was nobody that was suitable for a man. So God made Eve out of the man. And then what did they do together? They walked with God in the cool of the night together, cool of the day day together, Mm -hmm. right? It wasn't hey, Adam, you and me are going to have theology time together walking, and then Eve can come when it's Bible memory verse paint a picture time. You know, it's like it's it's the relationship was the same mm. to God. It that was not point. it was not separate. And granted, that is pre-fall, so we understand that that's God's perfect design. Right. So therefore, it stands to reason to me, that if the woman's desire to learn theology or learn from a woman or teach theology is not to usurp authority from her husband or the church or the pastors or whatever, then it seems like this is all just a, a way to to exert control over, over wives, which is just ridiculous to think someone would want to control flesh of their flesh and bone of their bone, right? That you're supposed to love more than yourself. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I obviously agree. I I think that, you know, they would say this is, they would say that this is them loving them by, because they interpret the Bible this way, they think they're obeying God. But in fact, I think they're actually limiting their wives from having their own theology, their own knowledge of God. The God, the same God of the Bible that that you know and you get to know directly from His Word. Now they have to go through you. So I know we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but well, and then maybe it's important to to define biblical theology, right? It's the study of the study of God from Genesis to Revelation, mm-hmm. and how Christ is the center line through it all, mm-hmm. right? That's that's kind of what we're talking about here, and so it's like. Why would you, and, and again, we can, we can back up, but it's again, just baffling to me. It's like, when I think of who I want you hanging out with as your husband, who I want pouring into you and who I want speaking into your life, I would much rather have you go hang out with women who know the Bible, love the Bible, want to talk about the Bible and talk about theology than just, hey, here's how I sewed my kids' socks. Yeah. Or here's how here's how you can be loving today. It's like, well, I can't be loving without God's help. Mm. It's just, it's... And again, without the whole of scripture to inform how that love looks. Right, yeah. right. So it's just, and yeah, getting ahead of ourselves. Right, but. right. I know. You guys think I'm the fiery one. Um, so, okay, so where I was at was that women need not just theology, they need sound theology. And so um, sound theology is not just knowing the Bible and rightly dividing it, although that is definitely a necessary part of it. It is knowing God intimately for who he is by knowing what the Bible says and why. So my question is, could you arrive 
at some kind of knowledge of God solely through your husband. Sure. But you will be some level of impotent when you open God's word on your own. If you believe that all teaching and theological instruction must come from your husband and not the Holy Spirit. What role does the Holy Spirit play here? It's, it's diminishing and it is minimizing the role the Holy Spirit plays and emphasizing, overemphasizing the role that the husband plays. You know, frankly, it's like I, I'm, a, I'm a complete complementarian. I don't want, I hate feminism. I don't like, I'm not a feminist in any way, shape or form, but I don't want to be bottlenecked by my husband's relationship with God. I want to have my own relationship with God. I don't, I'm not going through you to access the presence of God to, uh, you know, pray for God to illumine my heart and mind through the Holy Spirit's power. When I open the Bible, help me understand what this says. Of course, if I have questions, I know I can go to our pastors, our pastor and elders, but I also know I can go to Sally, you know, our pastor's wife, who is very wise and has been studying the Bible you know, most of her life, um, and has a, a deep, rich love for God's word. And so I'm, you know, I, I, again, I'm like, I'm rich in resources to reach out to. I of course can ask you, but you're not like the most academically studied person, neither am I. And so I, I just, I find it, I find it very perplexing that we would seek to limit this to the husband and not want people to have a rich and robust ability to study and dig and find and mine the truths of God and mine his word for treasure through all sound ways possible. So we're not saying like just any woman is fine. Like that's not what we're saying. We're saying, of course, it needs to be someone who's biblically sound. Like we don't think it's good. I don't think it's good for you to go to someone who doesn't know what they're talking about. You know, that's why I speak against people like Beth Moore who have obviously shown themselves to be unqualified for teaching God's word to other women. Also because she does it to men. Like she's <laughs> she's breaking things that I don't believe she's stepping over lines I don't believe she should be stepping over. Um, and more than that, it's like her Bible studies are just like a fill in the blank. You know, I mean, I learned some from the ones I did, but it was very much like get the answer I want you to get. Don't actually learn to study this for yourself. It was like a spoon feeding of scripture was spoon feeding you the theological conclusion she wants me to arrive at not giving me tools to figure out how to do it myself um and and i've been given that the gift of that through our church actually through a program called the simeon trust which i would just i'm going to name drop it because i believe every church should be leading their women through this um and it is uh, a program that that teaches it has a course and they, they have courses for pastors, for men and, and for women, but the women's course teaches you and it is women teachers showing you how to actually study God's word rightly um, so that you can come to a right interpretation and that you're not kind of, you know, skipping past the cross or you're not, you're, you're not um, looking at something that was written to the original audience with an original, you know, meaning and just kind of jumping so quickly to, well, what does it mean for me? right? That's so many women's ministries too. Like they read a verse and go, what does it mean for me? You know, David and Goliath, what does it mean for me? Oh, it means I can conquer my giants. Like <laughs> that's the kind of, we want to avoid that. And so we don't want to rush through and have a messy and a sloppy study of scripture that leads us to the wrong conclusion, which is again, one of those issues with the women's ministry conversation that I brought up earlier that so many people are noticing so many women don't have an, a very good ability to do that. And I agree but the solution is not so just let the husbands and pastors and elders teach women only. I think the solution is so equip women. So stop ignoring women and acting like, you know, we can't understand a rich. I mean, this goes to publishers too. Like stop producing such fluffy, froofy, shallow garbage that acts like we can't understand a six chapter study on Ephesians. Like it's six chapters. It's not hard divided into two you know like the mystery of the gospel revealed and then how to live in light of it like we just went through that with our women this fall why are more why are there not more women's bible studies that are actually just anchored in the bible 
So anyways, that's a rant of mine. And that is a, that is something that I really care a lot about. And I think is the antidote in, in a lot of ways to this, this dilemma that so many people, it feels like they're kind of taking this problem and then blaming that on, um, or, or using that as the motivation for why, why we can't have women teaching women. Yeah. And my, my question <clears throat> would be, again, what happens, what happens when the husband lets you down? Mm-hmm. What happened when the husband is unavailable and you have or a... Or dies. Or dies or you're single or you, or you have an unbelieving husband. Yep. Right? Is that woman um, not able to learn, only able to learn theology when, uh, you know, the, the elders and the pastor have time. Exactly. It's like, and, and if the Holy Spirit convicts and the Holy Spirit brings you from life to death, well, it's the Holy Spirit who will lead you to an understanding of, of God. Mm -hmm. It's not the husband. It's not, you know, and it's, it's not even, it's not even a a pastor or an elder or a, a, another woman, actually, it's the Holy Spirit is who gives you the understanding. And so I think I loved what you said about it is minimizing the work of the Holy Spirit and the power he has over your life. And it is elevating the husband to a place where he shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's, that's just a, again, like, uh, talk about a twisting of, of, or, a you know, a, an upside down of what, how it was supposed to be originally. Mm-hmm. It's like, and that's what you've talked about this before the pendulum swing, right? It's yeah. like yeah. the, the feminism pendulum swing, swung, swung, swung so far one way. And then, you know, all these, all these BP folks, are like we're gonna pull it back and we're gonna bring it and we're gonna Here's do the problem. we're gonna do head coverings and we're gonna do this and we're gonna do that and it's like I honestly want to tell a lot of these people like focus on your church focus on your members of your church get off the internet Seriously. study the Bible and it's like write a book about how to evangelize and that's another thing it's like you have a bunch of women who are impotent in theology. How are they going to preach the gospel to their friends? Or their are they, children. Are they supposed to wait for their husbands to do that too? Right. Or their children. Yeah. It's like, well, they say, they <laughs> say you can share the gospel, but again, I just, like, you can't, you can't share the gospel effectively without right. an understanding of theology. 100%. It's like, but you that, can't, but they would say your husband's teaching you theology. So it's not that you're not getting it. It's that your husband's teaching it to you. But my question is like, what if your husband doesn't know it that well? There's a lot of women. I have friends. I have many friends who they actually know more academically, even theologically, biblically than their husbands do. And now BP people would say, well, that is actually a sign and a symptom of the feminism in the culture. And they would say, well, that's because the woman uh, has outpaced her husband in knowledge. And and now that's going to lead to division in the marriage. But I would say, no. How about we recall what scripture says about that? Proverbs 27, 17 says, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Ephesians 4, 11 says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. To this, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in dece- deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I want to take a second to tell you about another new sponsor for Kindled, and that is Annie's Kit Clubs. Annie's Kit Clubs are amazing ways to engage in creativity with your daughters. As you know, I have three girls. They love to create. My girls would make arts and crafts all day long if I was game. Sometimes I run out of ideas or I just don't want to get out to Hobby Lobby and go buy one more, um, one more craft supply, one more package of glitter or pom-poms or pipe cleaners and so what I love about Annie's Kit Clubs so what I love about Annie's Kit Clubs is that they come 
with everything you need to encourage your daughter's inner artist and watch her creativity soar. It's created for girls ages 7 through 12, which uh, I have two in that category. And so the Creative Girls Club offers them a new world of crafting inside each and every single kit. They get two kits per month. So inside, she'll find easy to follow instructions and all the materials that she needs to get crafting with minimal adult supervision. That is key for me. She will learn fun skills that will last a lifetime, including painting, beading, stitching, paper crafting, and so much more. I love this company. I love that they are helping us spend time with our girls, get engaged, helping them be crafty and creative, and just something fun to look forward to in the mail every month. I don't know about you, but my girls love getting the mail, and when they get something addressed to them, it's even more special. So check out Annie's Creative Girls Club. Scroll down to the show notes of this episode and click the link in order to get signed up and get yours on the way today. Get 50% off your first month of an Annie's Creative Girls Club box when you scroll down to the show notes and click my link, get signed up today. That's 50% off your first month subscription to an Annie's Creative Girls Club. I know you're going to love it. Now, I happen to think that in those cases where a woman who has outpaced her husband, whether just by natural inclination, desire, maybe he works time, time 68. <laughs> yeah. A, a woman uh, um, who is in the home, right. It's going to have a lot more time on her hands than a man who's working 40, 50, 60 hour weeks outside of the home. And, um, and that's, that's a real issue. That's a very real practical issue that a lot of people have. Um, I would say, that's a case where she can build her husband up. She can spur him on. I, why is it so, why Why are those in the BP camp so quick to kind of describe their description of that kind of a situation is that the woman has outpaced the man as though it was a race, as though it was, you know, I know it's a race in that we're like running our race to glory, right? But it's not a race as like, who gets ahead first? It's no, the man is the head of the house, no matter who knows more theologically or about, no matter who has more scripture memorized or who knows more doctrinally. Like, I think you would probably say, I have a broader understanding of a lot of the the doctrinal differences between, say, denominations and could like more quickly identify some of those things than you. Correct. You're also smarter than me, though. Okay. Let the record show. <laughs> that's nice of you. But I mean, like, that's that's just the thing. It doesn't matter. I'm not, just because I have more head knowledge about, you know, different doctrines because I was raised being catechized and went to private school and have been whatever, just had, and, and also, like you said, have a different, we have different interests, different, like, things we choose to spend our time listening to on podcasts. It doesn't mean yours isn't spiritual and mine is. It just means that we are different people, but we sharpen each other. Because we are both believers and we're functioning in our role in our marriage, you're leading and I'm following, that doesn't mean I can't sharpen you spiritually, right? Like, why? I, I This idea of just this competitiveness, it feels very, it, it feels like the man who is acting as though his wife is outpacing him if she knows one extra thing that he doesn't know is very insecure, that man has a, has some issues, has some has some insecurities in his identity in Christ, right? And like not a clear picture of what it means to actually be the head. It doesn't mean you have to know more and know everything first. I, I, I that that that's just a very shallow picture of what that means. Like I think being the head is a robust uh, understanding. It's like it servant leadership. I guess they'd probably disagree with that too. But like. You lead our family, but you also serve our family. You're not the tyrant of the home. You're not, you know, marching around demanding everyone, like, conform to your will. You're actually the opposite. I mean, I feel like the opposite. You're like, you're like, how can I serve? How can I help our children? Like, if someone needs something, you're the first to get up to get it, you know? And, and you're just very selfless in that way. So, but that's, I'm saying that like it's a like it's a surprising thing. That is what you're called to because it says husbands love your wives as Christ loves the church. And he gave himself up for her. What did Christ do for the church? He died for her on a cross. Mm-hmm. When he didn't deserve it. He's the only man who didn't deserve that kind of punishment and he took it willingly 
And that's supposed to be the picture that husbands are providing of Christ. Yeah, and it's, I think, the the BP camp, the ones at least that uh, we've we've heard and have had some issues with what they've taught is just, it's just a low view of, of women. It's a low view, and, and which is very, very sad and discouraging because it's like, that is that is a God's creation. Yeah. That is a God's creation that came from you, right. and it's one of you, and you were supposed to becoming one. You are now one flesh. So you, yeah, it's it's just a very selfish, uh, low view of women, and I think it's it is born out of. And yeah, an insecurity of some kind, but also just kind of an arrogance mm. uh, in, well, I'm this and you're that. And yeah. it's like, no, actually all have sinned mm-hmm. and fallen short of glory of God and all deserve death right. and all need to forgive much because they all have forgiven much, right? So it's, we are on the same level. We have different roles, mm-hmm. but we are on the same level as in far terms as- terms of value. In and- terms of value yeah. and in terms of, you know, it's just- it doesn't mm-hmm. it's almost baffling it's almost mm-hmm. mind it's almost baffling to me that um there would be people out there that would say hey you're not reading that book right now because i'm not ready to read it first it's like yeah. are you kidding like wouldn't you love to up. see your wife yeah. desiring to know the yeah. things of god and you go wow that's that's interesting you know tell me what tell me what it says i'd love to hear what you're learning yeah. Like, why does it have to be so incredibly insecure about, I don't understand. Yeah, it's, praise, it's just praise, praise God that the Holy Spirit is alive and awake in you. Yeah. And and pushing you to uh, experience and long and th- hunger and thirst for him and his righteousness, right? It's like, and, and, why, and, and that's where the sinfulness comes in. Mm-hmm. That's where I think it's sin to, to squelch that desire Mm -hmm. and longing it's the same thing with a kid i think of like a kid who's like mom dad look i drew i i drew a unicorn and i love to draw and it's like well give me those pencils it's not time to draw you know it's like what a what a disgusting view of what god has built Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know yeah yeah and i think like the thing that saddens me uh, about this. One of the things is that it takes this um, beautiful doctrine of male headship and the protection that that is for the woman, the children, the family unit, the nuclear family, the church. It's God's good design. Like male headship is God's good design. It is someone follows and someone leads. You know, I said this on Instagram, but there, even in a company, you can't have a successful partnership. Uh, the only company that thrives is one where you have someone is 51% and someone is 49 because at the end of the day, someone has to make the hard calls. And that is absolutely the ma- the man's role. You know, he's, if you want to put it that way, it's it's not that. It's it's more than that. But this good thing, and it, it turns this good design into a sort of prison, a sort of, you know, box where the woman now must exist and her whole you know, um, knowledge of God, her whole relationship with God is imprisoned inside of whatever the man can provide. And, and some would say, well, no, she's got the pastor and elders too, but it's like, but you've given her this line, this, you know, you've made her spiritual head, her spiritual grocery store. Like he's not supposed to be the you know, if I need something spiritually, I go to you for everything because you're not the grocery store of spiritual truth. You're my husband. You're I'm my not, head. Yeah, I'm not where it comes from. Right. You're not the source or you're not the farm to table of, you know, of of meat, right? Like, or or milk for the, the um, baby believer. Like, it is, it is God's word itself. And so I just think there is, it's sad that it kind of, turns this into this gatekeeper go between, you know, mediator situation, sort of like Catholicism, like, you know, bless me, father, for I have sinned or, or even like Islam where women are subordinated and subjugated to the man. And you, you know, we see where we live, there's, there's a large tech population of like Muslims in our area and they're here for it jobs. And like, 
you see a man walking on the sidewalk with his wife, like she walks several feet behind him there. It's a visual representation of like, I am the head. And yet I don't think that is what we see in scripture at all. That's not, the headship is not there to, to limit women in their knowledge of God. It is there to provide protection. And so I don't view, as long as we're talking about sound doctrine, I don't view the the man becoming the filter through which the woman has to understand all theology a protection. I view that actually as a liability because he's not perfect. And, you know, I hope he's growing and I hope he's strong in his faith and I hope he knows a lot about the Bible, but, but many don't. And so, you know, I, I've heard those in the BP camp say, well, I think your solution is wrong. Your solution is bad to have women learn theology and sound theology. Why don't you put that energy towards men knowing the sound theology? And I would say, why does it have to be either or? It should yeah, be do, both. Do both. And go churches and, should be and, doing both. Go and make disciples. Yeah. Like, <laughs> why are we picking, why are we prioritizing which gender gets to know God through his word? Yeah. This is bizarre. They sound a lot like feminists. Except reverse reverse feminists. Right. Yeah. And like we said earlier, the Titus passage exists so that the word of God may not be reviled and for the glory of God, ultimately, as we see in verse 13, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Like, I am concerned that in this conversation and in this desire to please God, you're actually doing the very thing that this passage is warning against, reviling the word of God. You're actually doing the very thing that it's warning you not to do. And biblically, revile means to reproach angrily and abusively. And there is an aspect of this teaching and this doctrine that actually can very easily lead to abuse. Because again, anytime you institute an authority that the Bible doesn't institute, you run the risk of that because human nature is human nature. Humans sin, they, they tend towards sin. And although Christians are, they have a new heart, we still are sinful. And if you are, if you are putting people in a position they're not meant to be, that is a very great possibility. And, and I've heard so many stories of people who have gotten into this type of a marriage or this type of a church setting or this type of camp doctrinally where it's a slippery slope to, to really an abusive situation where, um, you know, the woman now can't read anything unless the husband's read it or pre-screened it or evaluated everything. There's, there's no trust. There's no mutual trust either. I mean... It's just a very domineering situation that does not breed trust on either end or intimacy in relationship. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't give freedom freedom for the wife to be herself. Right. Right? Who God has created her to be. And granted, there's we should be being sanctified from one degree of glory to the next, but that's not, you know, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about not not letting a woman explore you know, the beauty of God for herself and, and, you know, putting, being the gatekeeper in that. And it's like, it's the same thing that we've, you know, I, when we talk to people who have such a, such a big issue with, you know, biblical roles in the family and they're like, well, you know, why should I have to follow? It's like, that's a lot easier than dying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. like yeah. that's a lot, of, you know, as it says, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up, well, you know, that's and that's the thing that this just reeks this just reeks of selfishness yeah. it just reeks of you know self-absorbed prideful um arrogance not humble yeah. servitude right and jesus like if you look at other passages in scripture we haven't even had time to get into a ton of this yet which maybe we'll need to do a part two but um, one point I don't want to miss is, before I even give this reference, is how can you know how to love? How can you know how to love your husband and children, how to serve in the home without all of the Bible to inform that? How much of the Old Testament are you missing out on if you don't have the freedom to go 
study that, you know, on your own or in a Bible, Bible study with other women, you know, potentially like you're going through an Old Testament study of, you know, God leading, say, the Israelites out of Egypt, right? The slavery and promise, promised land is on the horizon. And yet they're grumbling in the wilderness and they're discontent and it's never enough. And they're rebellious and stiff necked and they don't love God and they forget very quickly. It's like all of that plays into a woman's ability to shepherd her children and to even preach the gospel to herself in those times where she is forgetting God's goodness to herself when she's having to deal with the same discipline issue 50 times in a row and she just wants to disappear, you know? And so it's like, I just think you miss so much richness when you say, no, 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 you can only teach these things. Well, those things are informed by the whole Bible. Those things, we we do not get a picture of God's character from just the verses that say, this is a character trait of God. And that's the kind of shallowness I feel like the reading and interpretation of this verse contains within it is this idea that if a verse doesn't start with women should, that it's not for women. Like that's, that ain't it. Like all of the Bible is for all women. It doesn't have to only say women should. The only places we need to be concerned about that are where the Bible specifically lines out, you know, authority structures like he does, like, like scriptures do for the family and the church and, you know, anywhere else that it, it talks about gender specific roles. But otherwise, you know, think about the epistles. They're written to, for instance, all the, all the saints in Judea and Samaria. Does it say all of the male saints, all the brothers? No, it's, it says all the saints. And so that includes men and women. So these letters that are written are for both of us. And um, the next thing I was going to say was we actually see uh, Jesus encouraging Mary to sit at his feet, right? Jesus commends Mary for her willingness to sit at his feet and learn in Luke 10, 38 through 42, while Martha is busy in the kitchen, you know, occupying her time, serving, cleaning, cleaning, you know, doing all the good, the housemaker, housekeeper things, right? And Jesus says, Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. She had chosen wisely. And, you know, I've heard this story since I was young, and I've always felt like I tended towards a Martha. I tended towards being the Martha who's... Martha, Martha, Martha. You're such a Martha. (laughs) It's a Marsha, Marsha. I know. Okay. (laughs) Um, yeah, but I've always tended towards being the, the Martha, the doer. I just want to do and execute and be productive and get stuff done, you know, especially around the house. Like I get very focused in, I can be so zeroed in on like my home and like, I want to make it nice. And I know that I have a laundry list in my mind of all the things I need to clean and all the projects I need to get done. And I can become consumed with that and it can actually prevent me from doing the thing that matters most in that moment, whether that is reading my Bible or praying or texting or calling a friend to see how they're doing or even spending time with my kids. Like my tendency is to be the Martha there. And that passage has always really encouraged me because it reminds me that Jesus wants me to focus on him and spend time with him more than anything else. And so, you know, it's just interesting how you actually kind of end up in this inverse teaching when you interpret Titus 2, 3 through 5 as the only content Jesus wants women to teach women about is that that's like saying Jesus wants you to take a a course on being Martha when he actually said Mary chose the better portion, right? Spending time with him. Now, granted, that was one-on-one time. It was like face-to-face, you know, no possibility for misinterpretation or distortion through like a shallow women's ministry. I get it. But the solution there is not, okay, so women don't don't study because you could get it wrong. The, the, the solution is learn so you are less likely to get it wrong, so that you have some guardrails to help you get it right. Um, and of course, under the leadership of your church, not, not saying that it should be apart from, I think the best case scenario is that a women's ministry is in a solid biblical church and has the over uh, you know oversight and leadership of the pastor and elders like ours does right yeah but even i mean i was thinking about like bsf right mm-hmm. we did bsf for a long time and I love bsf and it was it was theologically rich yeah. for men and women 
So I guess that wouldn't be allowed. No. And it's like, what a, what a crime to not have as many people as possible reading God's word. Yeah. And And, studying. And you hear like, you hear it said, well, that's not the biblical ideal. Yeah. Bible study fellowship exists because churches fell short in shepherding their people. Mm -hmm. That's not the biblical ideal. But I would say, well, guess what? We, we don't, we live in the biblical non-ideal. It's called the world. Right. Yes. The biblical ideal ended in Genesis three. So welcome to the biblical non-ideal scenario. How do we go, where do we go from here? And, and I agree, we build up men in the church. I also agree, we build up women in the church. I also agree, any means that causes you... build up you, kids in the church. Yes, any, anything. And God can use, again, God uses all circumstances, all things in the lives of those who love him for our good and his glory, right? those who are called according to his purpose, he does use everything. And so he used BSF and you're in my life to give us a hunger for God's word. That was outside of our local church authority. We were learning the Bible. You were learning with men. I was learning with women. We had discussion leaders, discussion with women from, you know, all kinds of churches all over the city. And we were studying God's word together. We were literally just in the text and asking questions of it and discussing what does it mean? Now, I do think that the preferable scenario for women's ministry to be taking place is obviously under the authority of a local church. And so, um, you know, what that looks like in our church, I can share. And I, I think that we're a, a very rare find because what I'm hearing on online is that many women have tried women's ministries and they found them to be just really frilly and fluffy and shallow, and they have not gotten rich spiritual food there and not been fed. And so I'm hearing that and I'm, I agree and I'm saddened by it. I know it's a problem. I've been in a bit of a, um, a very blessed situation in the last three years in our new church. Um, it's not really new anymore, but where we were 10 years, you know, prior was very similar to what you're describing. Actually no women's ministry to speak of not because they didn't believe in it. They just didn't prioritize it, actually. And what you saw in that church was biblically illiterate women, people who did not know their Bibles, and men, yeah. really, both of them. A church of biblically illiterate people. Right. And so our church, um, you know, has built up women teachers for women through Simeon Trust. They're, our pastor's wife has a passion, and this is her you know, her vision was to build a women's ministry of sound, doctrinally sound teachers for our church's women. And so she took six of us through the first round of Simeon Trust. And then we did a second round of that this spring where she and I took, I think, eight women through um, and and walked with them through all of the, you know, it's like 12 weeks or so of of um, video lessons and homework where they have to actually go and learn how to um, write a talk and interpret the Bible and, you know, all the things they would need to do to actually deliver a teaching to women. And then at the culmination of the semester, they have to present a 20-minute talk to our pastor and elders and a couple other women in the church who are kind of just selected to come audit and hear their presentations or their teachings and they're given feedback so feedback on content delivery you know um interpretation like all of the things and are it's it's amazing it's like this is what it's supposed to look like it's this is what this is what you know our church's slogan is lost people saved saved people matured mature people multiplied you know this is what saved saved people mature looks like. It it literally looks like showing up every Wednesday from nine to eleven and getting your you know opening up your Bible and uh, hashing it out with other with other believers, whether that be women or men. Like this is what the building up of the saints for the work of ministry looks like. And so to see that happening is so beautiful and so encouraging and just so. Um, I know that that's a privilege that I'm getting to witness that and see how it can be done well and done rightly. And I recognize so many people are not in places where they're doing that. And if that's your situation, then okay, fine. Like don't go to, you know, a crappy women's ministry. Like, sure, I can, I can respect that. But the solution I believe is that we equip 
it starts with pastors and elders, you know, really being able to head up and lead and, and delegate, you know, not, not lead personally, but delegate that to, um, someone who is a sound teacher in the church. Maybe that is a man. And maybe a man is the first one to get that off the ground and train women how to do it so they can train others, you know, again, multiply. Yeah. How can we, what's the structure for doing that in your church? I don't know exactly, but I, I just believe so strongly that is the, that is what we see in scripture. We don't see a prohibition of that um, in in the Bible. Yeah, and if, and this ministry at our church would not exist if Sally didn't love theology yeah. and Jeff, our pastor, his, her husband, did not let her learn theology. Exactly. And so, and the flip side is actually true in that he was so busy running the church mm-hmm. and and being the head of this church that was growing so rapidly that the men's ministry actually lags behind. Right. Because he did not have the capacity or the capability to head it up. Mm-hmm. And so that's the thing that it's like, again... Look at what happens Look when at, you when you encourage the body to, yeah. to thrive and flourish rather than say, no, no, you can't outpace me. Well, and utilize the gifts within the bounds of Scripture. Right, right, right. right. Because there are, there are elders' wives who are not as passionate about that. about that and don't have that vision. It just so happens that our pastor and his wife both have that vision and they love it. And, and again, the... the kind of measuring stick and or or a good example is the fact that Jeff encourages it and yeah. gives oh my gosh and, so and loves it and and is so grateful that his that the Lord and the Holy Spirit has given his wife a gift yeah. and then has started like a fire and I hate using that word in the context of church sure. because yeah, yeah. it's I get it. but He's so grateful that the Holy Spirit has moved in the women of the church to know the Bible and know biblical mm-hmm. theology. Yeah. He's not threatened and he's not saying, no, no. He's not wagging right. his finger at it and saying, you can't do that. You can't do that. You know, it's yeah, like, we can't let the women's ministry get ahead because the men's is falling behind because we've grown, you know, three times our size in three years. Like, yeah. oh, we can't have that. It's that's not the attitude. It's run, yeah. run on mission. Like yeah. <laughs> do on what, mission. Yeah. Be on mission. And that's what we're all doing. And, you know, I just, it's, it's so awesome to see it actually happening that it's, it does baffle us to, to imagine that someone wouldn't want that. It's, it's hard to even compute why, how do you even find yourself there? How do you get there? And how do you stay there? I understand the fears of some of the issues of current women's ministry, but how do you stay going, no, we're just going to do it this way. And, and, you know, and, and I know it's because they truly do interpret that passage that way, but um, you know, kind of coming full circle, you know, we have covered some ground here. We have identified that scripture is the primary means that we have to know God, that nowhere is there a, de- a delineation made between how men and women are saved or come to a knowledge of God, um, or are, uh, given salvation, justified, sanctified, or glorified. It's the same for both genders. There's no mediator between God and man except Christ. Understanding of the word comes from the Holy Spirit not the husband. And in conclusion, uh, Titus 2, 3 through 5 is not the syllabus for women, um, the content that women can teach women. It is merely a description of, of what that can look like. It is not the extent of the content. So, um, you know, I think that we've we've given this a good shot for mm-hmm. 57 minutes or so in. Um, you know, I... I our heart, my heart, I'll, I'll speak for myself and you can share, but my heart is that women would be equipped and empowered to know God fully for who he is. And by doing that, to be able to love him and be loved by him. It's like knowing God and being known. That is the Christian life. And I don't want to see any limitation put on that that scripture doesn't place. I don't want to see a legalistic, man-made, arbitrary rule created for the purpose of controlling and limiting women who yes is the helper but is equal in value and dignity to the man and 
Um, and, and if, why do you want to cut the helper's knees off, you know, cut them off at the knees so that they can't actually help as well. Like that's, if you really want a good helper, then empower the helper with every tool at her disposal, not just the ones that you can hand to her. It doesn't, you know, that's, that's my thinking. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think it's, um, you know, it's a wrong, yeah, my, my desire and and goal in all of this and it's like if i didn't want you to talk about theology i wouldn't have bought you a microphone five years ago right um even though your podcast has morphed but it's like my job as a husband is you know to create a place where where you and our family can thrive and to be sacrificial and to love you again, like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And so my, what I should be asking myself as the man is where am I, where do I need to do work with the Lord in my selfishness and my sinfulness and my lack of of faith and my unbelief, not is Haley eclipsing me or is Haley going too fast? You know, it is, no, you've, you have to be always looking to, God, search me and know me and tell me if you find anything in me that needs to be burned out and do that. And then if I'm focused on that and you're focused on your relationship with the Lord, we will actually be able to love each other more effectively and better and and shepherd our children and and be, you know, better stewards of what he has blessed us with. It's not, yeah, it's not a competition. It's not a gatekeeper type situation and um you know i would i would say to any women that are listening to this if you find yourself in a situation like that man i think it's pray a lot um and ask the holy spirit to change hearts but also don't stop you know if you have a desire and a longing to know the lord deeply through his word and through theology um do it you know it's that's what you were created for Mm. yeah Man, well, thanks for joining me, Joey. Always a pleasure, Haley. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Thank you guys so much for listening. I really hope and pray that was edifying and encouraging for you. If you have any feedback or um, thoughts, I would love to hear them. Come follow me on Instagram at Haley.Kindled. If you're a regular listener of the show and you appreciate the content that I'm producing here, I would love to invite you to uh, subscribe to the show as well as leave us a rating and review on whatever platform you are listening on. It just helps so much. So thank you in advance for doing that. I will see you guys on the next episode of Kindled. Have a great week.